What's up, people? It's Brianna Bassell from the Fluent in Black podcast. Today, we have another special guest, Dave, co-founder and uh, founder and owner of the Plug T-Shirt Store, a very reputable franchise store. And they are accomplishing a lot. So you can learn a lot from this episode. Dave, how you feeling? Good. Thanks for having me. Good, good. So tell us who you are and your backstory, where you're from, how did everything start? So how you doing? Um, yeah, I'm Dave Burchett. Uh, I own the Plug T-Shirt Store in the Vance Warehouse. Um, started off just by coaching and teaching uh, at Chicago Public Schools, um, coach football, coach wrestling, um, DuSable, South Shore, Simeon, Jazz. Um, and while we were coaching, obviously we had a lot of issues at apparel, like most people do. So um, me and uh, one of my assistant coaches, we went and took some cl- classes on the north side, learned the screen print, and then the business just kind of grew from there. It went from, like, the hustle stages um, to eventually it was just too much money to ignore. So we, I decided to go a different route, and we actually did a storefront versus a warehouse. Um, but that business model we put together has proven to be very fruitful. Okay. So, so how was it opening your first location? Because that's 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 a big jump. It is. So you're leaving a guaranteed salary. Obviously, you know, I had a family and kids. Yeah. But um, one thing, like you know, I always tell the business owners, you should never start a business without an exit strategy. So first, you have okay. to understand what you're trying to do. Because if you build a business with exit strategy, that means you're going to create something of value, something mm-hmm. that somebody wants to buy, and where you can walk away from. So um, we put a business model together that we felt was um, not just sustainable, but it was replicable. So we can put mm-hmm. the franchise model in place. Um, we can build something and eventually be sold off and I don't have to work for the rest of my life and things like that. Okay, cool. I, I do remember you telling a story on Facebook about when you first started. And I think you said your revenue goal was like six figures. And like you hit that like your first year. Yeah, we did that in the first eight months. Oof, um, nice. Like eight or nine months. Um, so yeah, so I'm not a fan of the beard. Like, I don't like facial hair. You know, so my, if you remember from Simeon, like, I never had facial hair. Obviously, just a mustache or a goatee. Um, but I'm a firm believer in, like, you shouldn't be comfortable. Right. right. You know, so I set a goal with something that made me uncomfortable. And I said, okay, I'll grow the beard out. I'm not going to shave till we hit three, six figures. And obviously, we, we hit it, so I got to shave. Nice. And then I found another goal. I said, okay, we're not going to do it until we get another store opened. So I grew it back out, and now it's like till ten stores. So I keep finding reasons to keep growing it back out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. But it's uh, it keeps me uh, motivated, and I, you know, I'm happy when I do get to shave it off when I reach certain goals. But it's um, yeah, I just yeah, I'm a firm believer you shouldn't operate from area of comfort. Hmm. Yeah, so. That that's the, that that's interesting because most people have like monetary goals. <laughs> Yours is the beer. You say okay, this this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> well, I do have monetary goals. Those are my goals. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, like you know, I was trying to hit a million. You know, we we're trying to look at you know certain things like that, like liquid assets. Um, but you got to find ways for yourself to be uncomfortable. Yeah, because that really pushes you towards that goal. Yeah. You know, the payoff is obviously the money. You know, that's why everybody. That's the whole purpose of a business. Yeah, to make money. Absolutely. So you come from a uh, wrestling background, right? Correct. So can you talk about that and how that kind of helped, you know, start off the plug uh, life and like those connections that you made uh, doing wrestling? Yeah. So I would say I wrestled, played football, and then coached wrestling football. Um, I believe sports are, have shaped me, you know, so, you know, like um, Coach Murray, Coach Connors, those were great. Coach Reed, those are great uh, father figures. And um, so I believe they, they instill a work ethic in me. You know, um, wrestling is all about sacrifice and goals because that's all you can do is, like, it's all individual. Yeah. So, so you'll set a goal and then make a bunch of sacrifices make the goal. So I think it's the same thing here. You know, we set goals, but then we make sacrifices to reach those goals in business. But, um, yeah, I, I believe that's the reason why I am the way I am. It's because of the wrestling background. Um, great for all the connections we've made. Um, we've tons of Olympic athletes, uh, world team members. We've been assigned some athletes all from those wrestling connections. But, uh, yeah, wrestling has been really good to me. Yeah, you know, I think sports uh, plays a huge role in discipline. It does. Huge role. You know, not everybody's going to go pro, but I'm a firm believer you should put your kids in sports because uh-huh. it, gives, it gives them the framework of, the, of, of what type of person, adult they should be. So mm-hmm. it's going to teach them how to be 
uh, constructive in social settings. It's going to teach them, you know, a lot of discipline, a lot of uh, hard work, sacrifice, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that. Um, if you can look at the statistics on, on athletes, even female athletes, in you know, the pregnancy rate, you know, all that stuff. So I just feel like strong flavor. Just put your kids in sports. Yeah, true. And I come from a sports background too. I played basketball a little bit semi because I got into technology. But right. I played it like my entire life, leading up to semi right. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of entrepreneurs who I interview, yes, are sports people. Sports people. Yeah. So that's so that's kind of mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Were, were you just you're just naturally into wrestling or? Yeah, I mean, I, I was playing football, and then uh, our football coach was a wrestling coach, Coach Murray, and, yeah. you know, he made everybody wrestle, and, uh, but it was worth it. I liked it. I liked it because it was challenging. You know, I like to be challenged. I like, I, like, I like adversity. I like, you know, obstacles, things like that you can overcome, you know, so sense of gratification, yeah. you know, certain, certain things like that. Okay. So back to the store. How did you get clientele that first year? Was that strictly off connections? What, what, what kind of marketing did you do? Direct mail, social? So our business model is a little different. Most places you go into, okay. um, and I, we did a lot of research. I, I did tons of research on how I want this place to be. Um, but most places you go into and go to a print shop, it's usually a counter. You tell them what you want. They give you a price. They may tell you how long it's going to be. Yeah. But there's no real um, transparency there. So, you know, I looked at things like, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, like, education. Like, you know saying? You should. I don't think you'll be successful in business if you're not constantly educating yourself. Whether you're seeking classes, whether you're paying for an advisor, whether you're reading, you know, things like that. But if you looked at what Subway did and how they penetrate that market so easily, so fast, and that what they did was they created an area of transparency that carried over. So Subway was able to hit and break into that market really, really fast because what they do, they took the kitchen from the back and put it up front. They took, gave you a menu board that was more transparent, which showed all the ingredients, um, which created trust very, very quick. In, the, in that market space. Hmm. And then you'll look and see like Mr. Submarine, all these other places that have followed suit because it's a quickest way. So we did the same thing. We, we didn't create a back room. When you come into our stores, it's the machines are all up front and we build a store around it. So you get to see your product get made. We post all our prices. Almost any print shop you go into, they'll never post a price. Never. Yeah. They, they want to be able to control that. Um, we found a way to standardize the pricing um, and then we post it this way, you know, every time you order, you know what your price is going to be. It shouldn't be you wondering, well, why is it 17 and hers is 16? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it should be, you know, or I can't last time I came with 17. Now it's 20. You, you should know what your price is every time. Cause what that does is create more, um, repeat, you know, repeat business. Cause there's a sense of, you know, trust there. So, and the comfort there, most people don't order custom apparel because they're intimidated by the process. Yeah. So, that's why we try to create that store in a certain type of way that, that took that away. Okay. And, and how do you pass down uh, this way of doing business to your employees? Cause of course you had right. customer service play a role in that too, as well as your, mm-hmm. mo- as, as well as your business model. Right? right. So like when it comes to employees, how do you like hire employees yeah. or instill th- those values and way of doing business in, in them? So employees is very tough. And if you look at what small business owners do, most will hire one or two when it's just them. Exactly. And the reason being is mm-hmm. because the, they failed in the process. So, because it is really tough. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you'll, you'll hold interviews, you'll find the best person, and then, of course, they put their best foot forward, and then they're, they're not so great. Yeah. And then, you know, you have issues <laughs> with people stealing, you have people with integrity issues, or people are just incompetent. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. know, they don't know. Um, so it's tough. So what I tell a lot of entrepreneurs all the time is you can't give up on the process. For one, you can't, if you want to really grow, uh, to build a business that's scalable, mm-hmm. you need people. So you have to find a way to get over that hurdle. Um, it's not about finding the best person. You got to find the right person. Mm-hmm. So I've had people come in that were really, really talented artists that can draw, that can make shirts, stuff like that, but they weren't a good fit with what we did. Bad attitude. They weren't really trainable. Sometimes there was integrity issues, you know, things like that. Um, but my thing is, you know, I give a lot. Like when I hire, I don't hire one person. I hire two or three. Mm-hmm. Give everybody a chance. Getting um, the cream rice to the crop top. The ones that don't work out, you got to let them go fast. Don't hesitate. If they're not working out, just just let them go. They'll find a situation that's best for them, and we'll find someone that's a better fit for us. But mm-hmm. you can't give up on the process no matter how bad it gets. Because it gets bad when employees sometimes. 
Yeah. It's very easy to say, you know what? I'll save myself money. I just do it myself. I know I won't mess it up. Yeah. Things like that. But it's um, but it's not sustainable answer. That's a band-aid that doesn't really work long term. You have to find people you can invest in. And trust me, there's a lot of people out there. You just gotta it doesn't matter how many people, you know, you hire till you get it right. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it takes 20 employees to find the right employee, I'm gonna go through those 20. Yeah. So um that's a big thing. And and I think something that's key there is that a lot of business owners, like you said, just say, Hey, I'll do it. And it it comes from a place of being cheap, you know, and wanting to to keep that money. I've I've met a lot of small business owners who just overextend themselves because they don't they they, they have trust issues, right? They don't want to deal with all those different personalities. And and some just say, Hey, if I just keep it in the family well, or I do it, I'll save a lot of money. And that's that's well, the wrong happens, mindset. It is. It's a hundred percent. So um because what happens when the day you can't go in? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna make it now? You know what I'm saying? What happens when you get sick or you want a vacation? Do you just not make any money there at that time? Mm-hmm. You know, so I always push back on that type of stuff. Most of that comes through lack of education, though. So yeah. if you're failing as a trainer, then that's where you need to spend your time and resource on. Mm-hmm. So like for me, training because of coaching is always my strong point. My my weakness was marketing, sales. I was terrible at it. Mm-hmm. I had to go get, take classes, Marine Valley. I've read a lot of books. I still do. I take an online class right now at Arizona State University for nice. sales. But it's... um. You have to find ways to get better. If you're not a good trainer, if you're if the if your employees are you know you're not having a good job keeping your employees, you need to self reflect, figure out what we got to do, where mm-hmm. we got to improve. There's never it's true. There's never like a point where I'll, I can't get this right or I miss my point to get it right. Mm. You can always steer that ship in the right direction. You can always correct self correct. You can always fix things and, and go move forward. You know it doesn't help what in the past, but it's in the past. But you can't give up when it comes to people. Like you can't give up on the process. You need people. Yeah, you need them. So where is the line drawn? Because I I do think uh, some of my, some of my clients who are business owners, um, I, I feel like they're quick to fire people when some people may have potential or are trainable. Like like like, how do you distinguish between someone who's like a lost cause and someone who so for you me, can potentially train? It was the same thing with wrestling, though. So we would take a lot of kids that didn't know how to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And my I tell my coaches all the time, if they can walk and chew gum, they can wrestle. <laughs> it didn't matter. And we've had kids that, and, and I'm telling you, like the first year they didn't win a match. Yeah, it took time, but you'd be amazed. You don't the the, the key is you don't know. Okay. So I don't give up on people easily, as long as you're not stealing to me or lying to me. I'm gonna ride that process out. I don't really, those are factors that I really care the most about is pretty much trust and integrity, things like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything else can be taught. So like my, I have a manager now, she runs our busiest store. Mm-hmm. Um, this is her first job, college. Wow. You know, she's a very smart person, Maris and stuff like that. She went to Maris and, um, but we've had a trainer on everything. I mean, I've had a trainer on every steps for being in management. She started off as assistant manager. We moved her up. Um, and it's not like it's always been great. You know, we go through some learning curves, mm-hmm. but she's dedicated to the process, so I'm dedicated to her. So, like, that's important. I, I just say you look at the person. If you can, you can't look, what most business owners do is they want to find somebody just like them. Yeah. You're not going to. You're exactly. not going to. If you can find somebody that can give you 70% of what you'll do, you got a good person. You know what I'm saying? But you, yeah. you got, there's no way I can expect you to do what I do. Mm-hmm. I can't. You know, it's... You know, I, I'm I'm always going to be above and beyond because it's my business. Yeah, it's not theirs. But um, you, I say if you can get seventy percent, you're in a really good place. Um, you know, it's just but but you got to invest in people. You have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you have to. And it's always me. My 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 experience to train them. I rather forget somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and train them. I've had people that have had experience and they come in, I know, and they don't know. And yeah, they're they're too stubborn to change or too stubborn to learn. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Um, most people are more willing to to learn when they don't know. Yeah. So like we have one um we have one business owner, one in Morton Grove, he opened up, he started off as a customer. And, you know, we he came in, applied, we gave him a job, and he went from screen printer to assistant manager to manager to now he's he has his own store, his own business. And nice. he's doing really, really well. Um but it all you know, he didn't have any experience coming coming to the door. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. I like what you said about if you can hire someone who has 70% of, you know, who you are, then you're good, right? Right. 
because I remember uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was talking about this on his YouTube channel. He said, you know, he finds it to be unrealistic when business owners say, hey, I want my employees to work uh, uh, just as hard as me, if not harder. And he was like, are they getting paid the same thing you're getting paid? Yeah. It's, not <laughs> it's, not their, it's not their business, so you can't expect them to just, right. you know, go above and beyond. But most relationships fail because of, un, you know, unrealistic expectations we put on people. Mm-hmm. Whether it be your partner, your spouse, whatever, yeah. you know, in business, it doesn't with coworkers. Um, we put these ridiculous expectations on people, which, which just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. We're all a little different. We're all going to learn differently. There's some things you're going to pick up faster. Something I'm gonna pay for, pick up faster, but yeah, just yeah, just I think it leads to too much um, disappointment. Yeah. So as far as the franchising, yep. when did you say okay, I'm going to franchise this store? We're successful. Was it at the the first or the second store? So we did. Um, it was always the plan from the beginning. I had okay. to create a business model that was scalable. And what uh-huh. some people don't understand about scalable, scalable doesn't mean yeah, I can just open up a bunch of locations. I got to manage them all. Scalable yeah. means can I duplicate or replicate this in a way that doesn't require more of my time or or, or uh, money? If it doesn't require that, then it's scalable. Okay. So um, what we had to do with the first one was first we had to create the model, and that's what we did. So we um, started off with the revenue streams. Okay. Um, I started out building every position myself. So I was a, when I first started off, it was just me in a store. Um, I used to have like a shirt for every day of the week. I, you know, <laughs> I, Monday, I was a graphic designer. Tuesday was the, the screen printer. Sunday was always, I was a janitor because we had a clean, right? So, yeah. um, but I had to build out those positions. I can't ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. I need to know what the mm-hmm. time frame are mm-hmm. for doing all this stuff, right? You know, so I, I would time us, we would time ourselves on making different types of shirts, taking orders, dealing with customers, mm-hmm. find out what processes work more efficient than others. Um, and once you can fine tune that, then you put pen to paper. Now it was time to hire an employee. And then from there, we were growing and we were able to build out. I was doing like the system manager job, the manager, every job I did, and then built it out and then structured that way. Um, okay. Uh, once we had the model and it was up and working, that's when we knew we were in a position to replicate it and to, to move over. Um, now we have two different models. You have a licensee model, you have a franchise model. Okay. And two different routes you can go. Franchise model is going to be very, very expensive and a lot of legal work. Um, it doesn't really work out. It takes maybe about five, if you look at most of the, the statistics, usually five to seven years for a franchise owner to actually make some money. Licensing model could wow. be a lot faster. Less legal paperwork. Um, the owner can be 100% owner right off the bat. You don't have to really pay off royalties percentages and things like that. So we started um, off doing the licensing because it would be easy to get people in. And they won't have to pay a ton of money in legal fees and and we wouldn't be taking like 50% of the profits. Um, so we were doing a license, we're doing a licensing model as well as a franchise. Um, but it, it comes down to, like I said, it's we're trying to find the best situation for the new owner that's coming through the door. Okay. The licensing model, whether it be the franchise. Uh, we want to find a situation that fits best for them financially and also like even with the ROI, we want to make sure they have a quicker ROI. Okay. So when it comes to, uh, so are your locations, you right. have a lot of them. <laughs> right. uh, are, are some of those franchises or they're just? Yeah. So some are corporate owned, some are franchises. So here's the thing, like franchises, you know, I have extensive experience with franchises. Right. So when I was younger, I, I used to work for Browns. I used to work for Walgreens and I would open up new stores. So I knew nice. the model. So there's three different ways you can go when you talk about franchise and licensing. Okay. Everybody just thinks, well, you just buy it and you open it and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, but that's one way of actually using the franchise or licensing model. The, the, the second way to do it is you can do like kind of what like Willie's doing. He opened up his store, took him about total 40 grand to get it up and running. And in six months, mm-hmm. he'll sell it. And he'll sell it probably for about 175, 200,000. So okay. he's going to walk away with probably 135, 150,000 of that. And then he'll do the next store. And so that's kind of his model. I'm going to find a location. I'm going to build it out, get it profitable, get employed, get it staff. I'll sell it. And then okay. I'll keep selling. So it's kind of like flipping houses. Nice. Right? Yeah. So every six months he get up 150,000 payday. Right. Hey, yeah, um, that's not bad. No, that's not <laughs> bad at all. The, the other way to do it is to, to open your store, to run it and you can make your money and then you're ready to retire. Now you sell it off to another one person entering that franchise model. Mm-hmm. Um, this way you walk away with something. Because so many times you see business owners, like, 
they're trying to sell their business and they, all they can get is the money for the equipment. There's no really tangible value there. Yeah. So with the franchise, you have tangible value. Mm-hmm. Because it's built within a network. It's built within a brand. And people want to buy into that all the time. So um, those are different ways you can use the franchise and licensing model. Mm-hmm. It's not always straightforward where you just got to follow the process. You can you can do it a lot of different ways. Hmm. Okay, so how do you go about choosing who to allow to, you know, so, open so that, stores? Yeah, that's tough. So we do an interview process. There's an application process. Um, they have to pay their franchise fees, and then we start um, working with them. They start training. Training's broken up into four different phases. Um, the first phase is usually an employee phase, so the craft side. They're going to learn actually how to make sure it's what it takes to be an employee, you know, how we write up orders, how we do our pricing structure, things like that. Mm-hmm. Second phase is all management. So we're going to teach you how to hire, train, retrain, fire, discipline. Um, do schedules so you understand payrolls versus extra revenue coming in. Um, so you can structure that. Um, ordering, ordering the different supplies, materials need to fulfill the orders. Um, and then the third phase is all sales. So we, we work with our sales team. We're going to teach you how to, you know, hold it, like get accounts, how to uh, nurture them, keep them going, stuff like that. How to get, like you said, like the different revenue streams we have, how to actually fulfill them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like with the online stores or um, whether it be with schools or sports teams, things like that, um, or business to business. Um, and then the four phase is all logistical. So it's all like human resources work, all the, you know, NDAs, not competes. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to learn bookkeeping and accounting. Even though we have an accountant that does it, you still need to learn how to do it, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, how to handle your accounts, pay receivables, how to understand like where your red areas are so you don't go too far um, and things like that. So after the four phases, then we um, sit down and we go through locations. So we'll help scout out the areas they want to be in. There's a lot that we take into account when we talk about um, locations. Um, okay. You can, there's, there's a lot of good businesses that are in bad locations and they could probably survive. It just takes a much further path. Yeah. Um, I, you know, anybody does real estate locations, everything. So, I mean, we're looking at everything from average um, household income. So we want to know what that means is. We want to know um, um, two-parent household, things like that. We want to look at locations of schools, businesses, other screen printers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those help us determine whether it's going to be a high profitable location, low revenue, mm-hmm. things like that. So we put those into our, our, our spreadsheets and try to figure out the best situation from there. That, that that sounds like a lot. It is. We've had people go from two and a half months <laughs> to uh, 10 months in the training. Hmm. So it's, um, you know, I try to go at people's pace because at the end of the day, they got to be successful. So far, every store has been successful. Nice. We just we're trying to keep it that way. So you spoke about revenue streams. When did you be- begin to implement different revenue streams to the business? Like when were you like, okay, we have this down pack because some people try and juggle too many things at once. This is down pack. Let's implement this. Cause so you, you mentioned online stores. Right. That's something that's unique. So when you talk about revenue streams, people have to understand, um, you got to have more than one revenue stream when building a business, right? Mm-hmm. Say, I need all this, but then you also have to identify what the profit margins are within those revenue streams. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, we looked at, you know, when I very first started off, we went after like all the schools, all the parks, biggest orders, right? Yeah. <laughs> but they got the lowest profit margin because they're always crying broke. So yeah, they want, yeah. They, we're going to, we want 500 shirts, but I want you to give them for $2 a shirt. So mm-hmm. as we were doing it, we were getting like, so one year we did 400,000 in revenue, but we only took home 70,000, right? Very low. Right. Um, because, so we had to readjust our business model and say, okay, we're going after the wrong people. So when we opened the store up, we wanted to go after like churches, youth groups, groups that paid. And the other problem we had with, uh, with schools, uh, part district people don't know is you get like a net 30 and that 60, net 90. Sometimes they go to the school year. So your cash flow is always behind and behind. And it's very tough. Hmm. So um, if, you know, CPS owes you $60,000, you just got to wait till they pay you. You know, and that, and that can be kind of rough. So we're getting paid and using that to pay fulfill the purchase orders. And you're just always going behind. We, we we decided to go into the storefront. We wanted to go after a different market. So we're looking at the youth groups, church groups. These are all individual customers. These are all people that pay up front. Yeah, for so now sure. cash flows immediately. And now we're good. So now this, so we when we said, okay, we're going to do schools and stuff like that, we got to cap them off. So like a percentage for me was like, at that time was like 15%. I dropped it down to 10%. So I can't like, you know, so if I'm only doing 100,000, CPS can only, I can only do purchase orders up to 15,000 with CPS. After that, they're cut off. 
I need to get more from here because I can't just keep running that up. Mm-hmm. And I'm using the business money to pay for CPS as purchase orders. Yeah. Um, so we build out the revenue streams, identify which was the highest profit margin. And obviously that's where all our effort went to in the beginning. And then from there, we kept growing each other, hmm. each other one. Um, but it's very important that people know their numbers. Uh, most business owners don't. Do not. They're not. It's very, <laughs> very tough because it's all about numbers. <clears throat> and, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know what your profit margin is. You don't know what your raw materials, co- you know, cogs, all that stuff. Um, it's going to make it a, a rough room for you. Okay. That that was really good. Good information. He he, he dropping knowledge. He dropping bums, okay? Uh, how, how did you go about reaching out to, like, youth organizations and churches? Did, was this from, like, referrals, connections, or did you approach them? A little of both, but, like, we, um, what we do is, like, so we do target marketing through Facebook. Um, okay. Again, this was not an area I was well-versed in and was really bad in. Um, so I took a lot of classes on it, read some books on it. But basically what we did was, like, you know, so if we opened a store in Mount Greenwood, we joined all the Mount Greenwood groups. Anytime they had an event, we're there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We got to find a way to get into the, the group. And from there, like I said, tell people, don't be too pushy. So, like, you know, when you post, you can do things to engage, to inform, to like that. In the beginning, you just want to inform. Yeah. So we're, we're constantly saying, here, this is what we can do. You know, we're not trying to steal any business, things like that, you know. Um, and then you just grow organically from there. Once we get from there, now we can get into really some target marketing. You know, I can target your your address. So when you walk out, you see yeah. my app pop up. I do geofencing. A lot of different things that we can do to to really get grab attention. But but you have to, whenever it comes to sales, marketing, you have to be active. You mm-hmm. have to. You have to post. You have to post the right time of days. That's very, very important. You know, posting late at night is going to get you anywhere. But if you post at 7 in the morning, it's going to get you very, very far. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but you have to be active. Um, everybody's, what's going to work for everybody is going to be a little different because of everybody's personalities. Yeah. Things like that. You know, you got to work within your comfort zone. But I'll tell you right now, if you're not active, you're not getting any leads or sales. For sure. So, what about competition? Okay. Do you uh, check up on them every now and then? Because I know a, a lot of business owners that I talk to, like some are like, I don't even pay attention to competition. I'm just making sure my grass is green. And organically, we're taking market share or we're, you know, succeeding. Yeah. And some say, yeah, I, may, I, I, I watch every move. I'm not sure how that's working out for them. But, you know, they, they use that to uh, create a better marketing strategy. Do so, you pay attention to competition or? So, so, so my yeah. view on competition is a little different. So everybody, okay. you know, so I don't look at people as like competition. I look at everybody's like, this, I'm trying to build this network. Okay. I can only get so far so fast by myself. Mm-hmm. But if I can rely on, if I can build this network, then I can do a lot more. So um, with us growing, expanding, I've been acquiring other businesses too. So, okay. you know, like we have like a form printing business. We have a sign business. So we can do a lot of different forms of printing that we couldn't do before. Okay. And that was through acquisition. But that wasn't, that was not me buying up my competitors. That's them joining our network. Okay. So yeah, they have the plug, they're falling under the plug name, but you have to build a network. You can't do this by yourself. Um, I don't really view people as my competition. We have, we service a lot of businesses, a lot. So like Colorado, for example, we don't have any family in Colorado, no friends. We don't know nobody, right? My wife decides she wants to move out there. We go out there, we spent, Two day we go out there July third weekend. We spent two days looking at houses, two days looking at storefronts. Hmm. I'm I'm doing everything I can on like, nice. research on area because I know I don't know anything about the schools, I don't know anything about the businesses. But what when we decided on that location was because it was a central place between right across the streets of YMCA and the school, right? But there's also like all the other screen printer embroiders that are surrounding us. We're like in this little we're in the middle of a circle. Hmm. So while we went, we we agreed on that by like, I think July twenty sixth, July thirty first, we had a moving van. We went out there, spent 26 days opening up, uh, building out the store. But while we're building out the store, I'm going to all these screen print shops. I'm going to all these embroiders. Mm-hmm. Everybody that does what I do. Like here, we're new, we're new, but we're fast. I can make stuff same day. If you're backed up, you don't have to turn away. Just outsource the work over to me. Mm-hmm. Pick it up. It'll look like you did it. You get to keep your customer. Because what's more important than the order? The customer. Yeah. How many orders is that customer going to do in their life, right? So, yeah. you know, you, that's the last thing anybody wants to do is lose a customer. So we started gaining work before we were open. And I think before we opened, we did like 10 grand. Um, but we were getting all the work from these other places that were too backed up hmm. and could produce as fast. Um, whether we were making transfers, we were doing embroidery, we were doing screen print, it didn't matter. 
Um, but I know other people that go in and say, well, I got to compete against all these people. Yeah. My thing is they got work I can get from them. They got orders I can get from them. Yeah. You know, I just got to give them, a, you know, we have a pricing structure that works for them, works for us. We just got, I got to find a way to get, you know, to get, get them on board. Nice. Um, and that's worked out very, very well for us. Because everywhere we've gone, we're servicing those businesses around us. They do the exact same work as us. Hmm. People just don't know it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's cheaper to uh, retain a customer than it is oh, to get yeah. a new one. Yes. So that was key about what you said. Okay, do you want to lose this customer? We want to get their, their stuff right. done fast. And I always say, uh, I post about this on social media. I say collaboration over competition. Yes. I feel like in various cultures, we were quick to look at someone's competition when, hey, they can help us out. When I went to Atlanta for Culture Toys, I saw other people who had children's book. I said, hey, we can collab on some things. We can make a book together. You know, it's right. not competition. Even if we do have similar products, you know, we can collaborate and we can dominate together. You know, that's a really good mindset to have when you're in business. Like you said, you made 10 grand before you were even open. Right. Just by being friendly and saying, hey, we can work together. Yeah, I mean, I've got, like, so we even when we did our podcast, like, through the pandemic, mm-hmm. I brought in... San Trisha from Essential Creations and other people that, that do the exact same work we do. We yeah. work together, but we, we trade orders. Well, if I'm backed up, I'm going to throw her some work. She's backed up. She's all, I mean, it just, okay. it keeps everybody working together, and which is weird because most of those people that have been, they've all been in business 30 plus years. They don't even talk to each other. Common denominator is me. <laughs> like it's Dave. Like, uh, you know, but it's so weird because it's like some of them, like we have 111, there's two places they are right next door to each other. Yeah. And they don't even speak to each other. And yeah, but yeah, though, send work down. You know, it's just back and forth. It's it's crazy. Yeah, but it's like you said, it's people's perspectives, though. Yeah, you know, they 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 look at competition as in the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. So, how about setbacks? Every business has you know setbacks yeah. and hardships or just hurdles to get over. Can can you talk about that? Have you faced any um, building out the plug and how did you get over that? Because I I think that's key, like solving problems in business. Yeah. Um, I don't know about setbacks because we're still on like uphill trajectory. We've only been open okay. for years and yet we keep, keep doubling over, we keep doubling over the growth. So, um, what challenges, right. But the challenges have, have been tons is, you know, a lot of times it's staffing. Um, it, you know, again, it's not easy to do one employee. That's your heart. I think any small business is going to always say that's their biggest obstacle. Um, but as far as like, uh, we're, everything we do is very well planned. Um, nice. we don't make emotional decisions. We make fiscal decisions, which is very important. Um, if the decision can't be equated to dollars and cents, that decision doesn't get made. Um, too many people are trying to make emotional decisions. I feel like this. I feel my gut. No, I mean, what does the money tell you? Like if, if you're not going to make any money doing that, there's no point in even trying. Yeah. You need to know if there's going to be money there, if this is going to be fruitful. If it's not, then yeah, it's not worth our effort or our time. Hmm. Okay. I think when you keep growing, you get to a certain level. The biggest thing is time. Because mm. I'm pulled in so many different directions. If that's not going to make any money over there, then I don't need to spend any time on that over there. You know, so it's, you know, you got to make, business owners have to make fiscal decisions. They really do. Yeah, I think laser focus is key. It's hard for business owners yeah. to become laser focused. Because like you say, you, you're getting pulled everywhere, right? Right. If you don't have your eye on the prize and have that, that tunnel vision, it's, it's a million distractions that can right. pull you off your mission. The mission it's, is the most important thing. Especially for something that's not going to make you any money. Yeah. And that's the worst part. I see a lot of businesses, though. That's the very worst part. So, yeah. like, I watched, um, you know, uh, so, like, during the pandemic, right? And this is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Pandemic, you know, a lot of places couldn't do the indoor eating. So, they start setting up their parking lots as little patios yeah. for people to eat, right? But I saw businesses spend the money to do it, even though they were takeout only to begin with. <laughs> but it was because of what everybody else was doing. Yeah. And nobody ever sat there. Nobody ever did. And, and they took away parking spots. So that was a big, how many people, you know, were discouraged when it was busy. Yeah. You know, they, they spent all this money. I look at the money they spent on it. I'm like, that's just an emotional decision. Yeah. It could cost you a ton of money. It brought you no money. You know, I mean, where were you at as far as dollar? If you were at capacity already, if you're doing, you know, your capacity is 35, 40,000 a month and, and you're already there, why would you waste money on something? You know, like mm-hmm. it didn't make sense. Um, but I've seen a lot of businesses, small businesses do it, but it just goes to show how they're making, to me, it shows how they're making decisions mm-hmm. and they're making it by emotion, not by financial. Yeah. And following it, following everyone, right? Yeah. 
So, so do you plan on uh, expanding uh, anytime soon, or are you opening up new locations? Yeah, so we're always training. We got two owners right now. We're training nice. two young men that are uh, doing very well. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll continue to open up locations. If people want to um, inquire about it, they can. They can email us at the plug at gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, we uh, yeah we're gonna try to get as many many as possible before my exit strategy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> for your exit strategy. <laughs> okay, so where can I submit my application? <laughs> Plug Davey at gmail.com. Look, I, I need I need a plug t-shirt store now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously. Um family. You have a family. Right. Right? And you're doing a million things at once. You're getting pulled everywhere. How, how is that just juggling like family life and business? Because you are raising your boys to be killers for real. <laughs> I mean, I, I could just see it, and they're already accomplishing things and wrestling. Can you just speak on family life? Um, yeah, family's tough. Um, I have a beautiful family. Um, my wife is amazing. Um, you know, again, if you pick the right person, your life can be a lot easier, and she's the perfect <laughs> yeah. example of it. She makes everything a lot easier. Um, but it is tough. You know, I spend, you know, I was originally, I did the first year, two weeks in, you know, in Chicago, Illinois, two weeks in Colorado, and I was going back. That was exhausting, um, you know, so I scaled that back. So now I do a month. I do a month. I'm going to start doing a month there, a month here. Um, but it, it definitely makes me miss something that's, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, it makes you, like, wonder why your why. Everybody talks about their why. Mm-hmm. My why is always, sort of, you know, obviously because, you know, you know they're there, they're, they're, they're doing things, and I'm missing out on certain things. But um, so I value them more. So it definitely brings more value to that. Um, but it's it's tough. Um, I just want my kids to be raised like, uh, you know, with good morals, good ethics. I I I don't want them to have to do this. This is not they're not going to be screen printers. They're not going to be anything like that. Yeah. But I do want them to get the lessons from this. Yeah. So you know, I tell them all the time like they're going to have their own careers and do everything. By the time they're ready, you know, this I'll probably have exited out this industry or whatever and, and go into another industry. But it's um. I do want them to take these lessons because they're learning customer service. They're learning like, you know, a work ethic. They're learning production, management, things like that. Um, so so I am appreciative that they're getting those lessons out of it. But but it's tough with the travel. The travel is very, very tough. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, yeah, you got to have a good partner. If she's not up for it, then yeah, I don't know how it could work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gone a lot. Yeah, good good partner is key. I mean, a lot of people in my age group choose partners from hell, right? And, yeah. and I see it deter them. And I have really good friends, too, because, you know, for this past year, I've been couch surfing. So we sold yeah. our house in Chicago. So, I mean, I've had, you know, Aisha, my partner, she's uh, um, let me use her guest bedroom. And then Coach Reed, you know, yeah. his and then Terry and a lot of other people will. Um, so I've been, you know. Couch surfing, trying to maintain this 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 lifestyle, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. Okay, can can you speak on entrepreneurship in in in, in this generation these days? Uh, so, like, what do you see a lot of the young bucks doing? Like, I, I feel like some of them have like the wrong mindset when it comes to business entrepreneurship. The work ethic sometimes isn't there like can you can, can you just speak on what you see and what advice you will give yeah. to the younger generation it's so this generation is so tough and it's going to get worse is because everybody's too caught up in the image mm-hmm. and so they don't have any of the value systems they don't you know like i don't know like I, how can you run a business and you're not willing to make sacrifices you're not willing mm-hmm. you know i see you know people that all the time they, they you know just, even if they're just starting a facebook business right a little side hustle Mm-hmm. Don't call me after seven. Nobody, I'm not answering my phone Sunday. Like, you're not telling people how to communicate with you. What you're telling people is not to communicate with you. Yeah, facts. And, facts. But then when you need, then when Monday comes, you know, <laughs> nobody needs a, you know, a free flyer. Nobody needs this and that, you know. Um, it doesn't work that way. You know, it yeah. doesn't. You know, I mean, I get people to contact me all the time, you know. Um, but but you deal with it. You deal with it. I, I answer um, custom because that's important. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be able to put in work and nobody wants to put in work. And that's the key. Everybody wants to be a CEO. I see that all the time. <laughs> the CEO. But, CEO. Um, you know, it's it's the more about the image. They're, they're not what, into what it takes to actually build a successful business. They're not willing to make sacrifices. They're not willing to put in a ridiculous amount of work seven days a week. 
um, you know, all the things that they're not willing to do. And then I hear people, you know, hide behind, well, I need my mental space. I need this. I need that. That's fine. But, but you're not going to get the result you want, you know? So it's not going to be, you, you know what I'm saying? You can't, mm. you know, if, I always say if you hide from the work, you might as well run from the success. So mm. and that's kind of it. You know, they, they like that. They, they, they want the success, but they don't want the work. So, but yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think it's kind of messed up right now. Yeah. It's a shame because the last thing you want to do is. is create a bunch of employees. And I think this country has gone through that time period. And in the nineties show what entrepreneurship can really do. Yeah. And, but now people can't get out their own way. Mm-hmm. So they may have a great idea or a great product. And I've seen a lot, but yeah, they, they won't, uh, they won't put the work in or they won't make the sacrifice or they want to invest in, in their education, things like that. Yeah. Uh, their priorities are, are messed up. Like a lot of young business owners who I like pitched marketing to social media marketing, uh, through you know close friends is is how I met them. They they have a, a cigar lounge, or you know a, a hookah lounge, whatever, right? And I pitched them marketing, and I give them my price, you know, and they're like, I don't know. But next next week they're buying like six hundred dollars Gucci shoes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to pay for marketing for your business, you know, and like they don't reinvest the money into the business. So for my businesses, like culture toys, it's really successful. And, but I haven't put not a dollar of that in my pocket. That's going back into marketing. I'm not making money from that right now. It's all going to any profits is going to the marketing, but a lot of young business owners are quick to put that money in their pocket to live this lifestyle and claim it's from the business, but their business isn't growing. They're just creating a job for themselves. Basically you create a job for yourself. Yeah, but again, we go back, they're just making emotional decisions. Emotional, yeah. I, I want this, I want that. You know, not if they put the, the numbers on paper and say, well, that doesn't make sense financially. Yeah. Shouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but they don't do that. And a lot of people don't do that on purpose because they don't want, they want to be able to do what they want to do. Um, yeah. Which is fine. It's prerogative, but, you know, the outcome is not surprising. It's not, at least for me, it's not. Yeah. I see, um, I see a lot of businesses, even like you look at restaurants, I had a friend who owns a restaurant. A breakfast place, and nice. You know, he um, does about I think two hundred fifty thousand to three hundred thousand in sales a year. Okay, yeah, but he's in debt for two hundred thousand. So everything that comes in goes right back out. But he keeps mm. taking out these lines of credit, and he keeps it's about business credit, this business credit, that. Like that's mm. I'm a firm believer. Anybody knows me, I don't believe in negative debt. I've never I don't borrow money. I don't I don't believe in that. I don't believe in credit cards. Yeah, I don't believe in negative debt. So like that's not you know. You know, the first store we opened was with twenty grand cash, and we've gone every store after it. I don't need money. Nice, to but it's I will use the money from the business though to reinvest. Yeah, as long as it makes sense. But you can't. You got to get out these emotional decisions, hmm. and most people can't. Dropping gems for real. <laughs> That's key. That's key. Uh, what advice do you have for an entrepreneur who's thinking about franchising? Their business, whatever it may be, a restaurant, like how, like how do you know? Well, so there's a series of uh, tasks you have to go through. So, for one, like everything has to be in order. You got to put your financials have to be in order. You got to have uh, profit loss statements, balance sheets. You got to know your business inside and out because basically what you're going to do is take that and replicate it. That business model. So it has to be put down on paper. It has to be, you know, um, it has to be something that's intangible for them. Um, what I will say, though, is once you get all that together, you're probably going to need help. So you need to, you know, include a law firm, take sure all legal paperwork, because what you have to do is make sure you're protecting your brand. You don't want to give it to somebody and then they go in another direction. No, everything has to be the same, you know, because that's the idea. When they go in your location versus that location, they should get the same experience, same product, same service. Um, so I will say, like, you cannot do this without a legal firm. You can't. I don't know. I think it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure your your brand and your interests are always protected. Um, then from there, now you got to start putting out a plan to like how you're gonna um, actually get in front of the people, the business owners that you want to be in front of. Mm-hmm. You know, say not just anybody that says oh, I want a franchise. Um, but I think those three things have to happen. You know, if you don't have your stuff in order, then now's the time to start. You, you, but you need that. And then you definitely need a legal firm that specializes in franchising, which there are. There's tons of them. And there's tons of advisors out there that specialize in it as well. Really? 
Yeah, I think Cultivate Advisors has been a huge part of our success. I definitely re- would recommend them to anybody, but that's what they'll do. They'll take a small you know, business and then they'll help scale it to medium, to, to large, and so forth. They help people with extra strategies, how to sell your business, things hmm. like that, so you don't walk away with nothing. But I think certain firms like that, you know, are very, very useful and they're worth the money. You know, so like I said, if, if I if I invested maybe thirty thousand into the franchises, they brought back seven hundred to a million dollars. It's mm. worth it. You know. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. Oh yeah. So, circling back, you said you don't believe in uh, debt, right? I don't believe in negative debt. No. So it, it, it's it's not at any point in time that you wouldn't use because because I, I know today right now a big wave is that you know young people are learning how to get funded. You know, you know, business funding yep. and whatnot, and sometimes you may need that to start. You know, something depending on where you are. You're like so, ground zero. Yeah, so but, I, I don't believe in it. I don't really don't. So I, no. I, you know, I got, I did what everybody did. You know, when you're younger, you know, you get credit cards. Got in a lot of trouble with that. It doesn't work out, right? Yeah. If you really do your research, right, it, it's the amount of money you, you you spend back in interest with any type of debt is is ridiculous. You know, you, yeah. you're gonna pay three to five times or seven times what is you initially bought. I don't believe business owners should rely on debt because this is what they do with business. This is between business and your personal. Okay. With your personal, you generally have a finite source of revenue, right? Finite source of income, that's it. You can mm-hmm. work a little over time, but that's pretty much what you make. Mm-hmm. So when your car breaks down, you need a car. Of course, you go to car dealers. Of course, you finance it. You know, that's the solution, credit and debt, right? Okay. That bails you out. When you have a business, totally different situation. You can't treat your business like you treat your personal life. For sure. And this is what people go wrong. You don't have a finite set of income when it comes to a business. Mm-hmm. The answer, you know, so like when you run into problems, when you're just by your personal life and you got a job, your answer is, like, okay, I need to go give, find some credit. That's going to solve. In business, the answer is I need more sales. Yeah. So you can create your own revenue. I need to create another revenue stream. This isn't working. I need more sales. All right. And that's what I'm going to use to finance whatever I'm trying to do. You, if you if people try to do their, what they do with their small businesses, you know, I'm going to do the credit debt. Now, what they do is they create another bill, another expense. It doesn't help. As the money's coming in, mm. it's going right back out. I, I don't, I pay my rent for my stores usually in January because December's our biggest month, right? Yeah. So we'll, we'll pay for the rent in January for the year. The year. Um, nice. You just send $1,000 in for comment and, and people's gas. Um, and then we're done. But I don't, we don't have debt. So every dollar that comes in now that year is mine. That, that money is nice. used. If I need a machine, that money is used for that. I don't have to go finance that machine and then pay off this bill and pay off that bill. Mm. You got to really look to cut your bills out because there's, there's a lot of bills. Yeah. And then they, they accumulate over time. They're going to be more. But there's some that don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. People have to start looking to, to get rid of that. You know, I don't I buy my cars. I buy my cash. Mm-hmm. I don't buy. I mean, I write a check. I don't, I don't finance. I don't believe in finance. Mm-hmm. Um, but the young man that we're opening a store in Morton Grove, we got him. You know, same thing, some financial help. You know, um, his car is almost paid off now. Nice. You know, he's, he's only been open two months, and he's three months ahead of on his bills. His, I mean, we're teaching him this is how you do it. It's all no credit cards, no debt, nothing. But the money that's coming in now is all his. And he's yeah. seen it because at first it was tight, but now it's like, holy crap, this is a lot of money, you know. But it's great when you don't have to pay anybody. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, I just, I'm a firm believer in like that, you know, if – and I'll, I'll give you another reason why, too. The beginning part of your business is very important, right? Because that, that, what it does is that molds you into the type of person you're going to be. So when you have that debt and credit, say, oh, I can take out, you know, I'll give your business $200,000 loan. Okay. Most people are going to spend it on crap. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah, I'm going to buy the machine I need. I want that computer. I want that microphone. But then, you know what? I also need this. And, <laughs> you know, then this rug will look nice. And, you know, it's for yeah. my customers. Um you know, but it doesn't teach them to hustle. When, when you don't have that, like I said, we opened, when we opened the first store, we didn't have, it was nothing compared to what it is now, right? That store has all been doubled over. We knocked the wall out. But when, I mean, people could tell you, you know, I would build up, you know, because we didn't have the money, right? Yeah. So I, I couldn't build the countertop, the bar. So as we're getting the orders in, I'm going by the wood at night, we're building the bar. Um, the shelving, we're putting that in over time, month three, month four. Everything, the other machines I didn't have, the embroidery, all that was added in month six, and we're added on. Hmm. What it does teach you, though, is to, to hustle and then to spend your money more wisely. 
you're more financially sound. You're going to make better fiscals because you don't have an abundance of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've seen people open up their stores with a lot of money and didn't create more, more customers for them. But then what they didn't learn in that process, they didn't learn how to hustle. They learned how to spend properly. Mm-hmm. They weren't responsible. You know what I'm saying? Like that responsibility, that, that struggle, you need that. Yeah. You need that. To, I have to tell people all the time, credit and debt's not the answer. If you can do it, unless it's zero financing, I mean, zero, you shouldn't do it. Don't do it. If you want it, you'll save for it. Yeah, for sure. There was one printer I wanted the first year, and it was like 15000 And now it doesn't seem like a lot of money by the time it was. Yeah. And Yeah, but it took me about like eight or nine months to get that printer. Hmm. You know, and we still have that printer. I mean, the printer's made us a ton of money. We made our money back maybe in two months. Because I knew that printer was going to make some money. Yeah. But but I knew I was going to buy it. I wasn't going to lease it. I wasn't going to finance it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's important. Okay. Man, a lot of good information <laughs> dropped. Like, that's that's crazy. Uh, this man's hustle is out of this world. Where can people find you on social media? Um, Facebook, I'm on our Creep Booster, but most people find me on the Plug T-Shirt Store. The Plug T-Shirt Store? Yeah. Yeah. Instagram, Advanced Vinyl, TikTok is the original plug. Yeah. Yep. Name, name off some of your uh, locations. What, what what areas are they in? Okay, so we have one in Oak Forest. Um, that's 159th and Central. 159th and Central. Um, we have the one in Chicago, which is on 111th in Lawndale. Um, we have Justice, which is on 79th and Archer. Um, we have Morton Grove, which is on 63rd, 6319 West Dempster. Um, we have Oak Grove, which is the form for the factory, the printing works. That's on, um, Devon and Oak Grove. Um, we have the Waukegan, we have the Colorado Springs. That one's, uh, 1845 South Academy in Colorado. Um, yeah. Okay, there you have it. Uh, so I've been following you on social media, as you know, for a while. And Dave, like, y- your your hustle is out of this world. Seriously, I mean, I admire you and look up to you. You know, <laughs> seriously. I mean, just the progress you made and your work ethic, you do not see that often these days. So I knew I had to get you on this podcast. I appreciate you having me. It's good seeing you again. Last time I seen you were in high school. Yeah, high school. Yeah, I was a semi-eye. Yeah, so it's <laughs> definitely good to see you grow up and, and do all the things you're doing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, there you have it, people. Uh, how to start and grow a multi-million dollar franchise with the Plug T-shirt store. Dave, follow him on social. Uh, use him for your screen printing needs. Trust me, it's, it's only going to be excellent customer service and good products. Thank you again for coming. Appreciate you